0: let's make this a Christmas story there was a guy in the Christmas story the innkeeper who was a busy guy he had a lot going on he had a full house everybody was coming in to his city and he was a busy man he was also a very practical man who liked to make money right he was gonna work the program and maybe when he should have been, I don't know, not answering his door, um, divinity literally knocks at the guy's door, right? A Christmas miracle knocks on this guy's door. He has an opportunity to walk into what we call the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, to have something special, to have something divine, to be a part of of something big, to be a part of something life-changing. And the guy doesn't see it because he's too busy, although he does see the opportunity to make another buck. And so he sticks Mary and Joseph in the and the animal pen. He was too busy to see where God was and what God was doing. Could you imagine if the guy would have slowed down just for a minute, just would have paused, just would have asked the Lord, who's knocking on my door right now? Like, Lord, is this, um, is, I, I ask this all the time, is this a distraction or is this an open door? Mm-hmm. You need to ask yourself these questions whenever you're, you know, a little uncomfortable. Because sometimes when you're a little uncomfortable, you're a little frustrated, you're a little frazzled, or there's a little bit of pressure on your life, you're faced with the decision, is this a distraction or is this an open door from the Lord? It takes a really high level of discernment to determine which is which. Well, the innkeeper wasn't too bright because he missed his open door. Not to make more money, but to step into, to see something different, to be a part of something big, to literally be a part of something that would change the world. Now, if it was me and the mother of God and Joseph were knocking at the door, like, I would kick somebody out, right? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you evict somebody so that you could have God himself staying in your house? There's an opportunity there that we don't want to miss. And God is knocking on our door, by the way. He knocks on our door each and every day. And there's opportunities after opportunities. God always has an open door for us. Uh, and consequently, the, the enemy also has a distraction for us. What would it have been like if the innkeeper would have been like, Oh my goodness, I have no idea what's going on, but in the spirit... I sense that there's something special here. Josh and Mako, beat it. I'm going to put the mother of God in your room instead, right? We're going to honor what's going on here. We're going to give it our best. We're going to pour everything into this moment because God is here. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. So the innkeeper, I don't know, maybe he uh, died with a couple of bucks in his pocket from swindling people. But what would have happened if he would have had a kingdom mindset? where he would have got Mary and Joseph and the donkey and if he would have taken that selfie, right? That would have lasted for eternity. What if he would have made his inn the stable inn and what if he would have re- renamed it, This is Where God Was Born? Right? Worst case scenario, he could have turned it into a tourist trap, but he could have made it a monument. He could have made it, he uh, could have used that instant to glorify and to magnify the Lord. But he was too narrow minded to see what God was doing. Busyness is a killer. Busyness keeps us from hearing God's voice, seeing where he's at, knowing where he's moving, recognizing open doors. Busyness is a, you got to get it out of your life. You need to slow down, find that rhythm, that spiritual rhythm of God, that spiritual rhythm of life where you can see what he's doing. All right, the next thing. Our church is really good at this. I know know how I know that, that, that we're good at this, the amount of passion that we put into the nativity sets. Just go look at it, it's a work of art. Look at your bulletin cover. The amount of passion that our actors pour into the roles. They give it all they got. I mean, that's gold. So there is no lack of energy for the nativity in our church, right? I'm, you know, we begin to ask the question, well, should we do nativity this year? And that's like almost like a sacrilegious question to ask in our, in our circle. It's like, what, are you kidding me, Pastor Josh? Can we move on? Right? How about if we cut Easter out instead? We're not cutting out nativity. It's ridiculous. But one of the killers in this season is familiarity, huh? Eh? Is becoming too accustomed, too used to the story, like knowing it all. There's a saying, familiarity breeds contempt, right? So you get too used to it. Like, oh, I already know the story. I know the end. I know everything about the nativity. It's just, I know the Bible, right? Have you ever, ever come across anybody who says, yeah, I know the Bible? I read the Bible. I understand it. I understand about the cross and the death and the resurrection. I understand about the sacrifice. I get the whole thing. And whenever that attitude begins to boil up, that's just a familiar spirit. It's, it's, and believe it or not, it keeps us from experiencing a miracle, like a Christmas miracle, to experiencing what? And again, another open door, because she's like, oh, I just know it. I'm, a, I'm an expert on this. Get okay, back to the Christmas story. Um, so we have the wise men that came in from the east. There's probably more than three, by the way. And as far as the Bible tells us, they came in from the east. Most people believe they came in from Persia and they might have been descendants from Daniel's school of prophecy, right? Or they might have been from that class but other people like me with active imaginations think that there could have been some Chinese people, some Chinese wise men. There could have been Indian wise men. They're from the east, right? It's very vague, it doesn't tell us. So I say that they're Chinese and Indian and Persian. How about that? Yeah, amen, right? And what they, like we don't believe in astrology in this church, but here's the thing. These guys are looking at the stars. Like they were reading the signs in the heaven. Um, Like they weren't, we don't know for a fact that they were even Jewish. We just know that they were wise men. But they sensed something. They saw something in the stars, they sensed something that was going on in the world, in society. Do you have that feeling today, by the way? Do you feel like there's something going on in the world today? Something going on in society that one of the, I mean, even like when I'm out in the world talking to non-Christians, I had this this conversation this week with the banker that I witnessed to, sort of witnessed to. I didn't do a very good job because um, I was too busy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. missed an opportunity. Well, I gave it a little bit. I gave it a half-hearted witness. And he's like, so what do you do? I'm like, oh, dude, come on. All right, I'm a pastor. Oh, really? He's like, yeah, I'm a pastor. It's like, do you think we're in the end times? I'm like, son, do you go to church? He's like, well, I go every once in a while. I'm like, okay. I say I don't know for sure. But it feels like something's going on in the world. Like in the spiritual realms, it feels as if something is going on. Kids like, oh, I'm gonna go to church on Sunday. I'm like, you do that. <laughs> Herod, the bad guy, right? You saw him on on Nativity. Pretty scary guy, king of Judea. Uh, probably not even a Jew, but still, he was a Jewish king. Um, builder of Incredible architecture. He did hoard his power. He did do horrible things. He killed his brothers. He killed his sons. He killed. He killed everybody. He's a bad guy. Um, his advisors noticed that the wise men were coming in, and his advisors were these Jewish scholars, the Bible thumpers. Um, um, they knew the word of God. They came in and they 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 advised him. They said, "Look, guy, look, I this is." this is not looking good for you in in your position and your power because um, the the scriptures say that a the messiah is going to come and he's going to be born in bethlehem and he's going to be in the line of david and that there's going to be star there's going to be signs in the sky and and then there's going to be stuff going on in society like the roman empire that's literally changed the world there's things going on in this world and, the, you know, Herod's advisors are saying, look, dude, it's all lining up. It feels as if something is going to go down. Like, like this word of God just might be true. There might be this Messiah that will be the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And all governments will come under his authority. That means that yours is challenged. And so they said, this is what it feels like, right? And these are the guys that were in the know. Of course, you know what Herod does. He flips out and starts killing babies. Um, But here's the point the people that knew the story, the people that were familiar with the story, you guys catching this? The experts in the Bible, the ones that know everything that there is to know about God, that could discern the scriptures. They're not the ones that showed up to the nativity. Why? It's because they know the story. It's because they're familiar with it. Now, who shows up? The shepherds show up, and the wise men, the Chinese and the Indians and the Persians show up. Don't quote that. We don't know that for sure. (laughs) The Bible thumpers didn't show up. They were so familiar with it, they knew it, like on the back of their hand. And they were too apathetic, too lazy to travel to the nativity to see the birth of Jesus, to see the divine birth of Jesus. And they knew that Jesus was not created, he was begotten. This is a a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And these losers were too lazy to travel six miles to Bethlehem because they were too familiar with the story. So don't let busyness and familiarity breed this contempt and this disconnect from a miracle. I guarantee you, you probably need a miracle in your life, right? Raise your hand if you need a miracle in your life. Yeah, I do. And Mary was chosen. Like, in the beginning of Luke, get your Bibles out, we're gonna look at the Luke chapter one. We're actually gonna read some scripture right now. Yeah, how about that? Or, no, Mary was chosen. She was highly favored from God, right? There was something, like, she got it. God spoke to her, She knew that there was an open door and she went through the open door even though she was scared half to death. She knew that there was movement going on both in the real world and in the spiritual world. She knew that it was going to be difficult and costly and at times painful, yet worth it. Yet fullness of life the best thing that's ever happened to her she was willing to face discomfort for that ironically the only people that are really speaking in the first part of Luke are women and angels like Zechariah mouths off and then he can't speak for a long time because he questioned God because he faltered a little bit in his faith because he began to talk back Because of his situation, he says, yeah, but why, why, how can this, you know, why me, God? You know, this is not fair. And he did that. And now he had to go mute for a while. All right, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth in a town called Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. This is is cool. Does she engage God or does God engage her? God engages her. You are highly favored and I am with you. And I think God's telling us that right now. He's with us. You don't need to go find him, he's there. Mary was greatly troubled At his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be but the angel said to her don't be afraid you have found favor with God you will be with child and you will give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus and he will be called great The called the son of the Most High the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob how long forever and his kingdom will never end here's the incredible truth we are walking in this reality now because Jesus is reigning and ruling you might turn on the news and you might think that the world is falling apart and it's you know going to hell in a handbasket right that might be your perception but I'm telling you that Jesus is ruling and reigning right now when Jesus entered into, the, when he entered into our time, when he entered into our space, when he was begotten and not created, when the creator became a part of his creation, when God became flesh, it was at the perfect time. The Bible says that it was in the fullness of time that Jesus came. There was no better time. And if he hadn't have come during this period... And for us it's ancient history but it is new it is fresh it changed the world jesus's birth changed the world and we need to see it from that light his birth his death his resurrection his ascension it is new it is fresh it changed the whole world and it can change your life it is that fresh and it is that new and if he hadn't have come If he hadn't come in that point in history, I'm a big history nerd, I can't help myself. Just bear with me. But if he hadn't come in that point in history, not only would there not be a church, of course, no Christians, of course, there would be, I'm convinced, that there wouldn't even be much of humanity left without the spirit of God on the planet today, holding back the hand of the devourer, to holding back the will of men, we would, have, we would have killed ourselves off a long time ago. If we would have taken the spirit of the Roman Empire into controlling the system of this world, we would have used the nukes to destroy ourselves a long time ago. We probably would have invented them a long time ago. There would be no doctors to heal my physical body because Jesus hadn't come. All healing comes from the blood of Jesus. It would be a dog eat dog, evil, horrible world if Jesus hadn't to come in the fullness of time. So on a macro level, we get to reap the benefits of something that happened 2,000 years ago. On a micro level, he is living and active and new and fresh for you today. And he's got something special. He's got a miracle. He's got a breakthrough. Ask yourself, what form is it coming in, Lord? What does it look like, God? Where's the open door? And am I too afraid to walk through it? How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Okay, this is the immaculate conception that he's describing. Of course, we celebrate the birth of Jesus, right? And besides a few million billion angels showing up and wise men and shepherds, um, it was just a birth like anything else. I don't think, I mean, again, I wasn't there, but the Bible doesn't say that there was like, you know, like this weird supernatural alien birth or anything, it was just a human birth. It's like, I think, how you and I were born. Yeah, and then the angels and stuff. Just minor difference between your birth and our birth. Jesus' birth, this minor difference, we don't, we don't have a million billion angels glorifying and magnifying his name in our presence. Is, anyway. But what is unique, what is special is this conception, this divine conception. It doesn't happen anywhere else in all of history. This is the first and only time that it ever happens. And this, is, this miracle is just as impressive and mind-boggling and powerful as the death and the resurrection. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Even Elizabeth, this is verse 36, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is now six months. And here we go. Ready for this? This is your take home. You've got to get this. For nothing is impossible with God. That's for you today, too. Nothing is impossible for God. He's telling you this, He's declaring this into your life. Nothing is impossible. is why Mary was chosen. I am the servant. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left. She goes into immediate agreement to his declaration that there's nothing is impossible. She gets it. This is why she's so amazing. This is why she needs to be revered. I got to give you a different translation because we lose stuff in the language. Again, verse 36. Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Okay, here we go, verse 37. Ready? Write this down. Defile your Bible, write in it, because this is important. For no word from God will ever fail. That's the same as nothing is impossible with God. No word from God will ever fail. And when, see, what's going on is she is being immaculately conceived. There's a divine. There's a divine seed that gets planted in her womb, but there's also a divine spiritual seed that gets planted into her heart. There's two things that are going on with her simultaneously. There's a physical manifestation of the glory of God being growing inside of her, but there is also this divine seed. There is the Rama. there is the word, the living, breathing, active word of God that gets planted into this girl's heart. And she receives it, she recognizes it, she wakes up into the reality of who she's becoming. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel laughed. May your word to me be fulfilled. Now here's the thing that we believe in this church. We believe that God has a word for you. And we get it through this and we get it through this and you get it through being in fellowship with one another and some of you have have had this opportunity and if you haven't, you need to hang out with us longer you will get one you will get a word from God from somebody else in this congregation and when you get a word from God you know it's from him because it resonates with your spirit and a prophetic word will give you direction it'll give you meaning will give you purpose and the truth that is declared that God's word does not return void, ever. His word is always fulfilled because nothing is impossible for God. And we gotta. I'm so glad you came to this service because I think I missed the most important part for a service. 39, at that time Mary got up and hurried away. Got, Mary got ready and hurried down the town. Okay, so she's ready, she's, she's engaged, she's moving. Let's go to verse 46. Mary does something that we need to pay attention to. She's been given this word, she has been given this, this once in a lifetime opportunity to bear God, to be the mother of God and she breaks out in song. In fact, a lot of Luke, they just begin to break out in song. Zachariah begins to sing, an angel begins to sing, Mary sings, Simeon sings. It's It's like a musical going on. It's like Andrew Lloyd Webber and Luke wrote this together or something. This is called the Magnificat. Magnificat, if you're French. (laughs) And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. That's in my belly. Uh, Magnificat translates into magnify. So she gets this word from God. She gets this truth. And guess what? It's not a great situation for this gal. And she's smart enough to know like this is not going to be easy. I'm, gonna, I'm a young lady, I'm pregnant, I'm not married. In this culture, that means I die. In this culture, at best, it means that I get shamed. And I get looked down on So she knows that her circumstances are going to get very, very difficult, for, because God has pushed her into this uncomfortable door, and she goes in willingly, but she goes in magnifying God, the Magnificat. My soul so again, this is we lose stuff in translation. So if you have the NIV like I do, where it says, "My soul glorifies." across uh, it output magnifies my soul magnifies we sang it earlier this wasn't in the lineup by the way john picked it up in the spirit we exalt thee huh I magnify what you're doing in my life, God. I recognize it, I see that you're active, I see that you have me on a miracle path. Uh, Let's hang a hat on it. Let's get the magnifying glass out and let's focus in on what you're doing and not what I am doing. Let's focus on what your will is and what your plan is. My soul glorifies, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. So she's understanding truth. She's understanding that Jesus is her Savior. Um, So, yeah, of course, she's going to be going into hardship. She gets shipped off to Elizabeth's house. Because if she doesn't, she's going to get beaten, right? So she's the first one that suffers persecution for Jesus' sake. Did you ever think about Mary in those terms? She's basically our first martyr, but in contrast, she's also our first worshiper of Jesus. This song is a worship to him, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now, all generations will be, will be called blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Do you guys catch that? She's, she's, getting a, she's getting the bigger picture. She's getting the picture. She's taken out of her current circumstances, and she knows that because of her faithfulness, because of God is doing great things in her, because she's not busy, because she's not familiar, because she's not apathetic, generations, generations are going to revere her. Oh, our present circumstances, our present troubles, right? If only we could put them into right perspective. The mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. So let's do this something real quick. I need you guys to close your eyes. You need to do this. Close your eyes. And you guys need to recall your history with God. Recall your history with God right now. What has he done for you? What great thing has he done? Life is better with Jesus. What great thing has he done? From now all generations will be called blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those whom are proud in their innermost thoughts. Let me repeat that. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. Now, let me ask you another question. Are you hungry? Are, not, are you physically hungry? Are you spiritually hungry? God is promising to fill you with good things. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever. And he has said to his fathers, as he has said to our fathers, So this song, this worship song that she declares, that she creates, it's very reminiscent of Miriam's song from deliverance from bondage of slavery. It's very reminiscent of Deborah's victory song when she defeats her enemies. It's very reminiscent of Hannah's song for stepping in with the divine miracle for provision. See, Mary's not only just the mother of God, she's also a prophet, she's seeing into the future. And I believe that this song, if you want to unpack it, is saying, Why did Jesus come? What is the purpose of Christmas? And I think what she's foreshadowing is John 10:10. 10, 10. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That is the purpose of Christmas. That you may have life and have it to the full. The best of all possible lives for you are going to be in Jesus Christ. That is the purpose. Would you stand with me and pray? Heavenly Father, we we thank you so much for sending your only begotten Son in Jesus. We thank you so much for all the open doors that you open for us. in our souls, they magnify you right now. They magnify the word that you've planted into our hearts. They magnify the good things that you're doing. So God, right now I pray that we will become like Mary, even in our midst of, of fear and we're not quite sure what's going on, we'll just take that step of faith. So help we magnify Your name, Lord. We exalt Thee.